Yeah, I think so. Let's uh, let's rip into it. Give us some music. Oh, yes, boy, you got to enjoy that. It's McKenzie. Space again. Gets the pass. Brickleman. Ah, oh, yes. Welcome back to the All Blacks podcast, proudly brought to you by Vodafone. Uh, myself, Jay Reeve, and Ant Neetle uh, running the cutter today uh, with a big man who's always looked big on screen, <laughs> but even bigger in real life. Welcome to the All Blacks potty, uh, oh, Charlie Brickleman. Wow. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, it's a bit of yeah, it's a pleasure and a bit of an honour being in here. I, th- I think I'm one of the first ones, eh? Oh, mate, you, you are. You're podcast, definitely, mate. mate. You're in the top ten. Uh, because we haven't even done exactly. six. <laughs> no one else. <laughs> yes. Well, the thing is, uh, Jay, uh, I've been peppering his eardrums on the circuit around Auckland Thursday, Friday, Saturdays, and I tell you what, I'm very excited because he's got some yarns from under his sleeves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would be, uh, it's good to see Ant. We've, we've had a couple of chats over beers, yeah. which have been good. So I don't know if we can tell too many of those stories, but well, anyway. Th- that's exactly what this is all about. It's an honest ac- and it's an honest account of uh, of, of footy and, and life after footy and, and pre-footy. So if we take it back, uh, I guess, all the way back to the, the place of your birth, uh, the mm. mighty the mighty kingdom of Tonga. Yeah, so I was, uh, I was born in Tonga, uh, raised in Tonga. Um, I've got four older sisters. Um, when we all got to kind of that secondary school age, we all kind of filtered off and came here to New Zealand for secondary school. Some sisters first came up and then when I was 13, 14, I, I came up and went to Auckland Grammar School. So, What was the process yeah. and how you get from the island into, into grammar? Because I know that uh, growing up, the New Zealand secondary school system, I don't think at that age was taking uh, that much interest in the Pacific yeah, Islands for footy. Wasn't, there wasn't many Pacific Islanders coming through. Even be- before I came up, I think there wasn't many Tongans who were coming across. But uh, Dad was an old boy at Grandma. Um, Dad is actually my New Zealand German side, so he didn't have any Tongan blood whatsoever, but was born and raised in Tonga. So he went to Auckland Grammar School, and, and that was kind of the natural progression was for me to continue on and come up to Auckland Grammar School. So that's how I got in there. Uh, fortunately, because of Dad, um, yeah, we also got a New Zealand passport, so it was much easier. Did you choose Auckland Grammar because they just churn out so many All Blacks? Did you look at the past history and go, hey, this is probably where they blood all the ABs? Mate, to tell the truth, but I had no idea. And I was <laughs> shitting myself when I first got here to tell the truth. Okay. I mean, even just catching the bus from, you know, we lived in Middlebank to uh, to Newmarket was, you know, was the first time catching the bus was was an eye-opener. And um, so I had to go with my sisters so that they could tell me where to get on the bus and where to get off the bus. And where to walk from the bus from Newmarket up to Grammar School, so... So that was all an eye opener, and um, eventually got got used to it. What was it? you weren't even playing footy at that stage? What no, were you, well, what we, were you playing in Tonga? What were you so doing Tonga, as a sport? It, we I didn't play any sport. So after school, we'll go fishing and diving. And when I had my first little dinghy um, with a fifteen horsepower on it, when I was about ten years old. So so after school was was um, it was nothing about footy. It was always about heading out, and chasing animals, chasing the, a different kind of pigskin. <laughs> Yeah, so there's a lot of fishing and diving, and, and a lot of we did a lot of stuff in the ocean. So that was pretty, pretty. Well, I mean, it was it's an awesome upbringing. What took you? What took you into footy? I mean, you're a big bloke. You could have played yeah, basketball. Did. You could have probably played volleyball. You probably did play all of those things, and Dad, then focused on footy. Yeah, Dad said to play footy, and 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 tell the truth, I I mean, I had no idea about footy, but I guess as time went on, um, I suddenly realised that probably I can play the game. So uh, the first team I played, I think, the third form was third grade, so we, we didn't win any games that year. I think we drew one, and that was a big celebration. 
And then the second year I was open grade on when I was at full form, you know. So it was, um, and that was that was that was huge because we were playing schools like Sidon, which was full of Tongans. That I mean, most of the guys were my cousins, and most of them were my uncles. But they're all, <laughs> but they're all at passports. I said they were sixteen, <laughs> and I said I'm sure I saw you, I saw you guys in Tonga. So, so that was also a bit of a surprise. And then um, you know, as a full former, right? So. And then fifth form, I uh, I got into the first thing at, at Auckland Grammar School, and and um, I think it was then that I kind of realised that maybe I can actually play this game a bit. So that must be one of the most meteoric <laughs> rises to footy that I've ever heard, and one of the <laughs> toughest one of the toughest boys' schools in, in New Zealand, and mm. probably say globally, for you to not play footy at all, have never played footy, and then make the first fifteen within two years, and less yeah. than a decade later, you're an All Black. Yeah, that's right. So um, it was. My sister, one of my sisters played basketball for Auckland, um, and the rest of them, they, you know, they played um, hockey at school and netball and stuff, but none of them actually pushed on to play representative stuff. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do when I finished playing at school. Um, so what team yeah. were you in there? Because you must have been in that. You must have been in that Auckland fold deep by then. You would have been in the in the f- under sixteens team. Yeah, so I got I got into the under fifteens, I think, for Auckland. And that was 13. my first. <laughs> that was my Tongan passport, yeah. <laughs> um, and and that was my first um, kind of rep, rep rugby stuff. Um, Did you enjoy it? Because you didn't actually come from. The, yeah, the I mean, like I said, it, it was it was still an eye opener for me. You know that you know you're only I'm only four form. You know, and I'm yeah. thinking to myself, you know, and it says you know under fifteens, and and dad dad used to push it. You know, he, he was he was really. Stoked about it and he was pretty proud about it. And um What kind of I, skills what kind of skills were you actually learning at that part of your you know, that well, time of your life? Pass the ball yeah. to one. <laughs> yeah. Was it that and just trying yeah. to snap each other in half, run it up straight? Yeah, it was it was um I guess my my Tongan heritage kinda gave me the 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 need to smash people, <laughs> and, and um, the German part yeah. of you made sure you did it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so that was uh, that was probably my plus when I was a uh, when I was at school. You would have been um, similar size to what you are now, almost, because you had that you had that growth. <laughs> your growth plates are almost sealed over by the time you're fourteen. So what what size were you? What you'd be six four? Yeah, so like I, so I was so like I said, four four was open grade. Would have open grade as or. Or school, I think it was at over eighty or something kilos, whatever it is. So I was really open grade at, at full form. Um, I think I was about seventy kilos when I was eleven years old or something. So, Incredible. Uh, Incredible. so I was. Uh, <laughs> it's a large human. I was tall. I was tall at school, but I think it was pretty. It was. It was instilled in me to to to, to keep training to 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 train pretty hard. Like I'll, I'll get home and I'll you know I'll go for runs and. I'd run to the gym and do some workout. This is when I was still at school, you know. And um, and that ethic kind of just kicked on and, and went on, unfortunately, and got into a few more teams. And Who shared, who shared the team photo with you in that under-15, Auckland under-15 team? What are the names oh, that would yeah. sort of spring to mind? Because that was, if you go back, uh, and it's not that far to go back, that is the glory era of Auckland rugby, and those age grade teams were unbeatable. There just seemed to be something in that Auckland rugby union that was just missing in every other union, including Canterbury, because they are now seen as, I guess, the gold standard of footy and have got a great system in place. But yeah. Auckland just had the monopoly for years. Yeah, we had some, um, a lot of the names 
Uh, you know, the, the case Muse came through it. Um, we had the Reckhams. Uh, they, they, they were a, a big rugby family that was that was around at the time during school. Cameron, the youngest he played a few games for Auckland. Um, there were quite a few guys that were kind of all on that verge. Um, but getting into the northern regions and getting into the um, even the New Zealand secondary schools, then you had the Waisaki Sotutus and, you know, Hoskins' dad and... And a few other names, mate. That just, oh, I've got to look at these photos, mate. To just <laughs> yeah. remember what half these guys are, you know. Man, I can't even remember yesterday. <laughs> too many <laughs> mocks in the head. Actually, too many beers with that. <laughs> when you, and then at what stage did you break into that uh, that open Auckland fold and into that sort of... Yeah, so I got into Auckland. Uh, 94 was my first, was the first year with Auckland. And, um, and I remember... Um, walking to the changing room, putting my bag down, and then um, going to the bathroom, coming back, and my bag was chucked across the uh, across the middle of the, of the changing room. And um, lo and behold, I didn't know that I actually put it on Fitzy's seat. <laughs> well, I mean, those days, those days, you 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 kind of understood that that's yeah. the way things were. You know, there was a hierarchy, and I, I don't know whether that it's as as much now. Now, no. but um, but in saying that, you know, we still. And, and, and you know we don't have the social media problems. We don't we don't have the, all that pressures that that were with us. Um, but at the same token, you know we we had there Ronnie Clark's, Michael Jones, you know Leo Lafayette was was yeah. also a young fellow that was with me. And as we're getting to the team, and um, and those guys all looked after us. So it was, um, in, it was '94. You coming into the fold? Did you actually know what your future was going to look like? Because that was an unprof- uh, unprofessional era. Yeah, that's right. So it you're was, just playing um, for the pride of the jersey, really. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was full on. I think I think it was ninety four that we had that final against Harbour over the shore and, and on in one domain. I think it was ninety four or ninety five. Anyway, so that was I was reserving that game and then the funny thing about that game is that Robin Brook um, he ended up having a fight. There were fights left, right, and centre in this game, right? So, so Robin had a bit of a touch up with someone, so he come off. But those days you could sub. You could actually you could actually replace the guys that get sent in. <laughs> so I then I went on for Robin. So and then ten minutes later I come back off and Robin went back on, and then Robin got sent off, totally sent <laughs> off. And then I went on and replaced them for for the rest of the game. But it was that year that I kind of realised to myself. I thought, oh, actually, if I if I keep on pushing, um, you know, you start you start to earn the respect of the older guys in the team. Um, How do you get that respect uh, by you know giving a bit of a rub? Take oh, away just the bottom just the way you're playing, you know, yeah. you know, and um, and the guys actually start to talk to you a bit more and, and you have a few more beers with them. And and um, it was that year that I actually suddenly realised that, you know, maybe I can actually push on with this. So so I um, got into got into the training and and fortunately what, got a couple of opportunities. So. What does a week look for, look like for you? Because now it's so hard for people to remember that, that era of the cusp of professional yeah. footy. So, uh, you know, I remember uh, seeing people... Uh, running rubbish trucks and then going to training and and having jobs that they had to go to. Like, what would a training day be like now? Like, I just I just recently was over on the shore and I saw Scooter and um, Brent. I mean, Shooter and Bryn Hall turn up to training about midday, driving these nice European vehicles, and that's you know that is the norm for for your yeah. uh, mitre team now. What what was it like? And you were the best of the best. If anyone was yeah. going to be making money, it's the rich Auckland boys yeah, that are absolutely right. smashing everything. We're trainings Tuesday, Thursday, and that was it. That's Play it. Saturday. <laughs> Did you have to pay for your own travel? Yeah, I mean, there was. No, I mean, wow. I remember during those days after a game. Uh, I don't like to say this, but the manager would walk around with fifty dollars each. 
and he'll hand out. Everybody be sitting there going, Orange Ruffy, Orange Ruffy. <laughs> <laughs> and then we all got 50 bucks each. Okay, like, hey, let's all go out to the pub. And then we'll head out to the pub and we'll have a few beers and spend your 50 bucks. <laughs> no, we'll keep the 50 bucks because it was always going to be our taxi home. <laughs> but we'll always have a few beers on the Orca Rub Union or, or the Blues, whatever it was. And the thing is, you'll get a, quite a few pints to that 50 bucks back then as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. Now you just get two jugs. Yeah. What was the, Lucky to get two jugs. What was the uh, what was the camaraderie like? Because everyone's on that same. Like you said, there was a there was only a pecking order, and the fact that there was someone that with a seniority like Fitzy uh, and yourself, like a newbie coming in, the camaraderie in the team, I guess, because there was that standing and that social structure, that's everyone was on the same wicket. So it just came down to who's been there longest and who earned the respect as opposed to, well, this person's just transferred from this team for X amount of cash and, and they're the ones that are making bank and living in a monstrous house in Remuera. Not talking about Bodie at all. <laughs> <laughs> Is he? <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a respect thing, you know, and we, we respected that there was a hierarchy thing and, and we, we lived by it as well, you know. It was, it was all we understood. I mean, it wasn't all we understood, but that's the way things were. And then, and I just knew that for me to earn their respect, I had to play really well, and I had to pull finger and do what I had to do. And then the same, you know, flip of the coin, then they actually had to do the same, you know. So, so it was, it was, it was just, it was the way it was. And, and then when we were when we were out on the person and having a few beers at the bar, everybody would be doing it together, you know. Mm. And and it was great. It was great fun, you know. There were no cameras and phones those days <laughs> and, <laughs> and we'd get away with 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 a few more naughty things but you know i remember i think xavier got woken up in the gutter once, <laughs> but there's a story he can tell <laughs> anyway so um but yeah like i said it was it just those days it, it was just and the camaraderie was awesome you know we'd, we'd sit back in the change room after a game and and we'll you know with db export was our sponsor and Beers will come out and everybody will get a case of beer now and again, you know, we'll take a case of beer home. Um, and we actually had the opposition will come and join us in, in, the, in the changing room as well, you know. That's the thing, I just, when we talk to these, we talk to players, we talk to the likes of um, Anton Leonard-Brown and he talks about that, like that's what he grew up watching. Like that mm. was the footy that he saw and he saw those scenes and the photographs that would pop up. And the and the Sunday papers after those games, and you'd see the team all together covered in bandages and blood. But it would literally be both teams, yeah. and they just knew that that footy was the game that brought them all together, and it was kind of the celebration of footy as opposed to the celebration of the win, and and being able to share a couple of tins afterwards and lean up against something in a club rooms that just seems to, for whatever reason, whether it be right or wrong, has almost has almost disappeared out of the game to a yeah, certain extent. Yeah, that's right. It's you know, from what I hear, there's no more aftermatch functions, you know. And that's what we used to do after every game, you know. It was always boys will come into our changing room or we'll go into their changing room and we'll have a few beers and we'll all get dressed and we'll all head up to the aftermatch function. It breeds culture, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And then we'll all get all the fish heads and they'll be yapping away and having yeah. a good chat and good talking to all the old boys, you know. And it was it was something which I actually enjoyed it, you know. We, you had you had fans in there, you had the old boys in there, you know. They had, um, you had the parents in there, we had family that was there, so... It was it was a culture which I actually really enjoyed, you know. Um, but like you said, you know, whether it's right or wrong, things are different, you know. The guys are playing more games now. The boys are probably bigger, fitter, stronger than when we were. But um, I, I guess I guess the the trade off is culturally wise. I I don't know whether 
it's fun as yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can explain it, you know? Like looking back, do you, are you actually sort of glad taking money out of it in the professional era? Are you glad that you played your footy in that golden oh, 100%, days? Yeah. 100%. I mean, I had guys in there that, you know, as a young guy, you're coming into the team, you just, you're just in awe, you know. Zinni was a freak. Um, Fitzy was just the ultimate leader. Um, what made him such a good leader? Because you were, oh, was, your Ford pack was the All Blacks Ford pack, basically, yeah. when you were in it. Yeah. yeah and I was... <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys! <laughs> hey, guys, remember me? <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, you know, we had Craig Dowd, Fitzy and Olo, right? And then we had Robin and myself. Um, Zinni. Zinni, Michael Jones, you know, Andrew Blowers was in there, uh, Dylan Mika was in there with us, you know, and it was, and it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Like as a young guy, um, you can't help but just to get better because you're playing with these guys. And Fitzy was just, he was the ultimate professional man. He'll be all, um, you know, he'll train his ass off. He'll he'll be out there. Um, he doesn't say much, but when he does say something, um, you'd listen. But he'll always have his little whisper into the referee's ear, you know, and then no one would know, you know, he's whispering. And then, then the 50-50s would, <laughs> would always kind of go our way, which is which is quite cool. But but these guys were just freaks, you know, they they were awesome. Well, yeah, just jump forward uh, the following year after you made that Auckland team. Uh, it's a Rugby World Cup. It's 1995, and Tonga comes calling, and they say, you're playing incredible code. You're not in the All Blacks fold can you come and play for Tonga? You know, by doing that, if you are to play for Tonga, then that rules you out of playing any All Blacks footy because that was the rule. Yeah, that's right. So I think the rule before then was that you got the two-year stand down. And then uh, and I think the rule, I'm not sure when the rule changed, but if you do play for Tonga, then that's it. You can only play for the one international team. So when the opportunity came came around, I actually, to tell the truth, it wasn't really a brain, uh, it was a no-brainer for me um, to stay with New Zealand and, and, and hopefully get into the All Blacks because, I mean, I learned all my rugby here in New Zealand. Um, I knew the, uh, I learned what the All Blacks meant um, to a lot of people and, and I didn't want to give up on a dream which I, I, which I suddenly had this dream, you know, that I could actually probably push myself to, <coughs> to play for the All Blacks. Um, so if I was to play for Tonga, then that meant obviously that I couldn't, do anything uh, with New Zealand, and and I just felt that you know it was, it was the best thing to to stick around and, and, and have a crack full. Did you books. did you have like any mentor in the teams that you're playing with that said, "Hey Charles, stick here, mate. You know, um, bide your time out because you will be wearing the the black jersey." It was stacked. There was if I was if I was you yeah. from the outside looking in, you're like, "Mate, these boys are in the prime of their life, that's right?" And yeah. and you playing out of your skin, like you're still playing into that Ford yeah, pack, which right. is the All Blacks Ford pack, which means yeah. it puts you in the best frame for it. But, mate, that's a mountain to climb. And and at one stage when you're getting, I could experience World Cup here, yep. or really roll the dice and and not make it. Yeah, you took the punt and it paid off. The same thing. I mean, we, I had. I had Graham Henry was coaching us for Auckland, right? And we were just about to start the Super 12 the next following year, whatever it is. And um, so we had stay, we had that Super 10 thing, which was happening in yeah. in 95. <laughs> um, so we had Graham Henry, and then um, I also had John Hart was, was in my year as well. And he was obviously coaching the All Blacks then. So um, it, was, it was, as for guys that I was, spoke to, there wasn't many guys, but but Dad was probably the one person that pushed me not to not to go and play for Tonga, even though he was, you know, he was born and raised in Tonga, lived in Tonga, and he wanted me to, to you know, one day represent Tonga. But he said no, you know, he's the one that, that told me just to kick on. 
What did Ted say to you? Oh, Charles, well, I want you to, <laughs> I want you to stick around here. You're going great. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the amazing thing about about Graham is that he's a, he's actually he understands people, and I think to be a good coach you've got to do that. Um, there's all different cultures like those you you know they you know what the way he talks to to Fitz it could be totally different to the way he talks to everyone you know. If he did that, everyone would probably tell him, to <laughs> tell him let's have a prayer you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Ted just amazing he. he a lot of those was, was uh, a lot of it was you know you're 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 an up and coming player you've you've got the talent and you just got to keep on going. Because what were you a 22, 23 year old at that ninety five World Cup when the the opportunity presented yeah, 22, itself? 23, yeah. And then was it twenty five years of age you got the call to become part of that All Blacks frame? Yeah, so the All Blacks ninety six. I got uh, I got the letter for the. For the trials for the All Blacks. So is that how it went down? So it used to, be, and it was a there was it a possible, probable scenario. Yeah. So those were the days where you still, um, uh, yeah, you get you get you got a letter or something, you got notified that that you were into the All Blacks trial, and this was uh, I think a couple of weeks before the end of the Super yeah. Super Twelve. So, how does that go down? Is it posted to your house? Posted to your yeah, parents' yeah, house? Posted at home. Yeah. Well, I was. With, Mum and dad, anyway, and then you know my sisters. So we all lived together at Meadowbank. And and how do you react? Is it a little fist pump? Is it? A, oh, you shitting myself. <laughs> <laughs> the truth. Well, it's almost I like was. state of origin, yeah. isn't it? Mate versus mate. Yeah, that's right. And then dad was, dad always, dad always knew that I'd kind of kick on and and um and become an All Black, but he never. But he used to get pissed off at me because I never used to tell him things like this. You know, I never used to say, "Oh, you know, I got selected for the All Black." Secondary school or Auckland rugby or something, and because he lived most of his time in Tonga, but he'll end up flying over for you know for games, and so that was that that was pretty cool. So so you get notified, and and uh, yeah, like I said, I was shitting myself, but but I got to the stage then that I was pretty confident then that I that that when I was playing at that level, the Super Twelve level, that that I was probably um, you know good enough to push myself through and this is the professional era now yes so then so 96 was the start yeah. of of this professional and era. and what does a contract so look like there except oh for getting man, a, a box of beers after the game yeah yeah i think we got 60 grand i think was yeah. was was what we got like what the boat and get six mil <laughs> <laughs> i think you get to the day <laughs> but you get to the minute now. yeah but that that has that i mean that in terms of itself like 60 grand is as yeah. is, isn't bird seed like regardless no, of, of what's going on us. that's a yeah, lot of money yeah. especially we also got sponsored a ford and yeah drive around in so and you just had to start drinking steinlager instead of uh, <laughs> export gold. yeah that's right but i mean it, the funny thing about when when, the, when it first turned professional in '96 was when that world rugby thing also kicked in, you know. Yeah. And I remember going to Andy Hayden's house to to sign the world rugby contract because that came in and it was like three or four times the amount of money that we're going to get for the New Zealand rugby union. And you could be, you know, you could be posted in the states or you could be posted in Canada or something. So you know, as a young guy, I thought, oh man, it's pretty exciting. You know, I could do this and do that. And then of course that fell over, and then we all ended up. Signing back with New Zealand, so yeah. 
Did that money still come through because you signed with it as well? Oh, that there shit, was a, no. <laughs> no, <laughs> just absolutely oh, moonwalked out of it. <laughs> it was the same sort of like, yeah, X, see you later. It was the same as the um, World Rugby, and it was the Super League. When I remember when hearing the league equivalent, oh, right, and people yeah. were getting taken to sign their contracts, being picked up in limousines, and getting three hundred k signing bonuses. Yeah. That did it change things in terms of the way that the the changing rooms, the shed operated, the way that people interacted with each other? Because once it becomes <sighs> professional and there is a commercial interest in it and there is money to be made some people thrive in that some people thrive in that position some people really crumple under that pressure now I'm being paid I'm expected to do a job and I'm expected to do it at this level it's no different to what you've normally been doing but there's money attached to it now and that hurts if you lose it took a while it took a while for that I reckon Um, you know we got uh, I mean nothing changed us as a team I guess um I guess the difference is that the guys that were working or the guys that were at school, I was at Unitech doing a marketing diploma. I, I flagged that, you know, I kicked it out of the... I said, no, kicked I'm, it to touch. Yeah, kicked it to touch and then gave me a bit more time to do some more training. So um, I guess that part changed, but most of the guys were all pretty professional already, you know. Those yeah. guys, you know, the Zinnies, the, the Fitzies, you know, the, and, the, and the back line was, you know, then you got the Carlos and the... Adrian Cash, Cashy, Cashy yeah. here, Cashy was out the back, and then we had a, you know, for the Blues we had Buddy Joely on one side, oh. and we had Jonah on the other, you know. <laughs> 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 like, you're, getting all, you're getting all this money in, Charles. Was there any like system set up like uh, Rob Nickel does a great job yeah, with the right. players' association? So, the, so there was none of that. Yeah. So there's none of that. Even managers, you know, we never had managers. I never had a manager. Full stop. Um, it was always kind of like, well, what contract you got, and you know, shall we just run off the same thing? So there was none of that. Um, Nothing was compulsory. Like we didn't have a, uh, like we had time, which we could have, you know, did study or, or did stuff. Some guys did, you know, Jeremy Stanley, for example, you know, he's a bloody top orthopedic surgeon now because he mm. just continued on doing what yeah. he was. Some of us didn't know any better. We just went home and, you know, we were told, oh yeah, you know, we've got a money advisor coming in. If anybody's available, come in. But you weren't compulsory to do it. So, start of it the boys will turn up and do the oh yeah yarn 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 then as time went on then oh no I'd rather stay home and play on the xbox or something yeah. you know because we just didn't it was it was just new to us you know you know we're getting paid money and then so why do anything else but just train and, and do the footy side of it so yeah that was that was pretty much the way it was but as time gone went on we actually learned a bit more um but it was all kind of self-taught those days you know it was uh, do sit-ups, wear a robe, and open a pack of toffee pops. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> when, when you saw that come through, never gave Carlos. us any bloody toffee pops either. The, the king. Wow. His skinnies are exactly the same <laughs> since yeah. back then. I think he still does this. But yeah. <laughs> what's yeah. the, what's the uh, what is the tour schedule like uh, f- for you as an All Black in that era? What's because we yeah, look so at the calendar now and it's crazy. Yeah, yeah so '97 was uh, I was in the All Blacks. Pretty much the whole year, 97, which is pretty cool. Um, at the end of the year, we did the UK tour. Um, we were undefeated right throughout the whole year. Um, we drew that last game, I think, with the English out of Twickenham. And uh, they did a lap of honour because they... <laughs> it was as if they bloody won. <laughs> what was it like playing yeah, in Twickenham? Oh, Twickenham was, yeah. It's is it arguably one of the best stadiums in the world to play, play at? Yeah, there's... South African ones are pretty cool too, you know. Alice, Alice Park, you know, Alice Park, you, even even in Durban, you know. That, yeah. You know, there's some amazing. I've played in some amazing, amazing stadiums. 
Um, Twickenham was pretty cool. Even playing up in Wales and playing in Ireland. Ireland's Ireland was pretty cool. We're up in Dublin and people are great. You know, yeah. people are great everywhere. I guess because no phones. You've got the All Black. Yeah, yeah, no phones. <laughs> do, you, do you get like a pre-match feed or post-match feed? Like I know '95 was a bit different with Wendy doing the catering in South Africa. But what was it like back then for the professional? In that professional era, yeah, do you have those, those dietitians that are running the running the cattle like that, or is it just as big bowls of pasta to get as many carbs <laughs> yeah, so into that, you? That, yeah, that kind of started coming in. You know, the the dietitians come in and, and tell you what to eat and stuff. And but we have uh, our doc was pretty good. Uh, Pedo with the with the blues, he'd, he'd um, um, who did we have when he for the ABs was it Mayhew, I think. Yeah, back then. So anyway, so so all the food stuff was pretty was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Was it like uh, when you'd head out as a team? Because I know that once you put that jersey on, then that that becomes you forever. And now, yeah. uh, however many years later, what are we? Almost, I know the Be best the better. best part of you know a decade <laughs> plus later, there's yeah. still that same. I mean, you're still getting pestered by ants, you know, like that. That was probably you know because st- he was on something. Yeah, who's <laughs> <laughs> just you know who would have been you would have been a ten year old almost watching you play this footy, yeah, you that's know right. and. You never get away from the All Blacks jersey. Like once you're yeah. an All Black, you're always an All Black. Absolutely. <coughs> and the cool thing about it is because you know it's it's for us. You know, I only played only played six tests. Yeah, played ten games. Only played six tests. Three tries though. Game. You found the chalk three <laughs> times, mate. Which is incredible. And none for of those lot. I started. You know, none of those tests I actually started. But um, but as time goes on, it, it's it's you know the all the other All Blacks that you run into, all the guys that you played with or played against, even older guys. You know, they all know you as an All Black. You know, and then and and it doesn't matter if you played one, or you played a hundred, or played so many games for the All Blacks. You know, this is something that I guess no one can take away from us. But um, you know, now and again you get the guys that come in and say, "Oh, you know, so, so many games did you play?" And said, "Oh, is it all?" And How many did you play? There is an ownership that the New Zealand public and the rugby public around the world has over you, and I think that in the the current era. It's a bit more understandable. If you're somebody uh, like a Richie McCaw or a Dan Carter or a Bodie Barrett or, or any of that, that ilk that are on an international pay level that of money that a sports person's never really seen except for Stephen Adams before in New Zealand, that there is that ownership. But that same amount of ownership is generally still held over you guys in that era where you know, there, there just wasn't that same cash because it wasn't, and, there, and as a result of that, there wasn't the same opportunities to set yourself up outside of footy to the level that most people have been able to do these days? Yeah, it's, it's, like, I, I look at it, you know, that, you know, you've still got private lives, you know, and we're still people, we're still human beings, you know, we, you know, some of us do slip up now and again, and, but you're right, I mean, the ownership part of it is, is some people take it to an extreme, which is, which is more than, this is ridiculous, really. Um, some people are great about it, you know. You get the ants that come up to you in the pub and have a beer with you, then you try and get rid of them. It still <laughs> sticks around. <laughs> 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 a little barley. Yeah. Well, mate, to tell you the oh, truth, where are we going next? No, no, you're not coming. <laughs> well, that, that was the thing. Super Twelve that in that era was the golden years, and yeah, uh, that's absolutely. why, like, I remembered you and like that whole sort of blues setup. Like, I could name that whole squad. The same with Canterbury and that's whatnot. Right. You played in the best era of rugby, I think. Anyway, personally. <laughs> What was that like? Because you had a couple of championships under the belt there. You're basically playing with the AB side. And then, you know, the, uh, as generations went 
down. You know, the crowds start wilting a little bit. Yeah. Um, and then we get to Super Rugby Aotearoa, and it feels like it's being, it's kickstart back again. It feels yeah. like it's gone back That's to the right. olden days. Yeah, with yeah. the guys that you played with, sons now on the paddock, yeah. the same yeah, kids that you would have been changing yeah. nappies and carrying around at after. Well, I remember functions. them, yeah. yeah. I, remember when, I remember when Caleb was born. You know, even Hoskins, Hoskins is the yeah. same, you know, and these are kids and they'll be running around, you know, little whippered snippers or whatever they call them. Is it putting pride back into the jersey oh, that you awesome. once wore and that's, that's, that's awesome. the difference? Has it gone kind of almost full circle? Yeah, like I do, I have quite a bit to do with their Ronnie lately and um, and it's awesome, you know, we I was actually with them when he, when they had the announcement for the All Blacks and they announced Caleb, so so stuff like that is, is, is kind of warms your heart, Yeah, you know, and... Um, and Hoskins, because I know Waisaki. Waisaki was the laziest trainer, you know. But, you know <laughs> Hoskins seems to be fitter and bigger and stronger and <clears throat> and faster than Waisaki. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was going to ask. That leads us into how often do you catch up? Because I think, especially when we talk about uh, head first program and, and mental health in and around footy and, yeah. and and making sure that you stay in touch with your mates, you've gone straight out of secondary school uh, uh, into those early 20s where your friend group is the biggest that it'll ever be as a fella. Yep. You get to hang out with your mates, you get to train with them twice a week, so you've got the fitness side of it covered. Mentally you're going quite well because you've got some bucks coming in through footy and you're catching up and having conversations in the sheds afterwards with your mates, yep. and then it finishes. What happens when that stops? Does it feel like the phone has just been cut and that all of a sudden you've been cast adrift because there wasn't the same pathways into success out of footy as there are now? Yeah, it was... Uh that was really hard, actually, to to um, to place it lightly. Actually, the um, there's some of us have gone through more problems than than others. Um, it, it's uh, mentally, it's 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 a big thing. Um, I struggled. I struggled a lot when, when everything finished because I went up to Japan, had a few years in Japan, and I, and I was actually hoping I was just about to head off to to uh, to England actually to play for Smithy's team, um, Wayne Smith's team. Spoken to him a couple of times and then and then he got pulled into the All Blacks. So then that flag, then they got a South African coach or something. So I ended up coming back here. Um, and then had a, another season with Auckland and then that was it. But you're right, you know, that was it. And you still kind of catch up with the guys that you did play, but everybody's doing their own thing then. and Everybody's got families, so you don't see or catch up with each other anymore. So, so... Things start, you know, the questions start getting in your mind, you know, you got to get a real job, you know, I, I bought a business um, and then I ended up selling it about seven years later. Um, yeah, so it, it's, then I had a few, you know, uh, went through a, a, a staged deal with my with my family, got uh, separated and, and I um, decided myself to take me back, so I went back to Tonga. So I shifted back to Tonga about 10 years ago, um, but three beautiful kids who live here in New Zealand with with um, their mother and and they're great kids. Everything goes really well. So I try and get back so many times a year and see them. But that stage, you know, a depression had set in. I'd actually been to a bit of counselling. Um, I, I chatted to our, actually an Auckland rugby doctor at the time as well, um, just trying to get through everything. And, 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 and my option was to, I don't know whether I'd, ran away or what, but I was to go back to Tonga, so, and in hindsight, that was actually probably the best thing I did, so, yeah. Was that ever a conversation that took place, because I've, now we've, we're open and honest, like, yeah. I check in on my mates, and I'm really, I'm really front-footing it, and they front-foot it back, and mm. I don't think there 
well, this is from the outside looking in, that there was even maybe the opportunity to learn the skill set, to have those conversations with your mates outside yeah. of, here's another can of uh, beer, just smash that and we'll just carry on and pretend that yeah, nothing's happening right. and just put the blinkers on and let's just drink ourselves. Well, we were told oblivion. to harden up, you know, told to harden up and keep going. So it isn't only till probably about the last couple of years. So me going back to Tonga was actually the best thing for me because I was back there, it was, it was, it was familiar. Uh, family was there with, uh, you know you're still out in the ocean and, and, and that was and that was something that I needed to do and it wasn't only to the last couple of years that I started enjoying this um, organisation in Australia called Optimization Hub which is uh, run by a lady who was a forensic psychologist here in New Zealand and she lives now in Australia this lady Graziella so she's a cool lady so she's got this team of us ex- um, there's Ben Gollings, you know, used to play yep. for England. Um, there's a girl, Amelia, there who, used to, who plays league. She plays league for Papua New Guinea. Um, there's Paul Hutchinson, who's an ex-leaguey. Um, there's a few other psychologists and stuff that are all in there. So we all, uh, so they do. Uh, it's called it's called the the home of resilience. It's actually now the global home of resilience. So it's all just giving guys tools and and um, and, and ideas to to for their mental health just to improving their mental health. Um, so we, uh, some of us are just facilitators, so we just talk to kids. Uh, a lot of it is, is, is actually a lot of stuff that we all know, but, but just, we just, just need someone to talk it. to. Yeah. You know? And you just need someone to talk to. So, you know, for example, for, for the lady athlete, they're totally different to us. The roles in life they got is to be a mother, you know, be a taxi driver, get home and do the cooking, take the rubbish out and stuff, you know. For the man... For the male, all you gotta do is that he go to training and probably come home and you know don't don't worry about tidying the house up because mum's doing it, you know. Yeah. So for a lady athlete, you know, it's just asking them say, okay, what's your roles in life, and then they identify their roles in life, and then you go, okay, can someone else help with this? Can someone else do this? So then you can have a bit more of your time. And a lot of, like I said, like a lot of it is people actually know what the answers are. You know, you can actually get the neighbour to actually pick up the children so you can go for a massage or something, you know. So it's all little. Tools like that, just just giving to people to, you know, the self awareness and talking about self awareness, your beliefs, what was it like? Has it helped you unpack probably Absolutely. a decade of footy? Because the other thing too that that wasn't as prevalent as uh, as that player safety and the HIA and the amount of head knocks that you guys oh, yeah. took, and 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 you don't mm. figure out that that's an issue until till it's further down the track it's as too well. Late. Too yeah. late, yeah. I forget his name quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Not it's true, you know. We, we had I remember getting head knocks all the time, you know, and it wasn't wasn't that much of an issue but um it wasn't until you got totally knocked out that okay you got two weeks stand down and that was about it and then you had you had a test at the end of that and you were all right and then you'd be back playing again do you get the chance now to go back into the likes of that auckland rugby union or even into into footy in general even at a lower grade and say because that resilience thing is something that uh that we we just don't understand like if you mm. said to me hey i uh, I'll, I'll come around and give you a hand to build a deck Yep. I've, got a, I've got tools, I've got, I know how to do this, I've got the skill set to do that. Yep. If I said to you, uh, I'm, not, I'm just not in a good space, I don't know what's going on, I really struggle to get out of bed, I'm thinking dark things. Yep. Like, there's not many people, well, you know now because you've been through it, but That's right. you, there's a lot of, there is a lot of people of, of, your, yeah. of your vintage that just don't get that, and they won't get that, and they just bury it and pack it away yeah. and then and make terrible decisions sometimes. Well, I'm lucky, I mean, it, it's, you know, Put the ball in my corner. I'm lucky because I've got I've got the support unit. You know, I've got my family. I've got friends. A lot of people probably do have it, but they don't talk. They just don't. Especially for us islanders. Us islanders are the worst. We just don't talk because our parents are so stubborn. 
our grandparents are so stubborn. The way they were brought up is totally different to the way we were bringing up now. But they all think that the way they were brought up is the way that the kids should be brought up now. Whereas now it's just totally different. Like social media now is just killing kids, you know. And, it's, and, and that's and that's the sad thing. It actually is, you know. Mm. And kids are into uh, uh, a stage where you know you'd, you'd break up in a relationship, and it, and it almost you know look some people gets to the stage where it probably takes their lives and, and, and but they just haven't got the support you and they've got no one to talk to because they know that they're, they're too scared probably to talk to their parents um, probably get a hiding if they talk to their older brother you know and all that sort of but that's where we need to come in and we need to talk we need to support these kids you know so hopefully hopefully things get better I mean if it gets to the stage where a kid comes to me and says look mate I'm, I'm in a really dark place I'm, I'm suicidal I, I can't deal with him I say look, look I'm really really sorry but but you've got to go and meet Dr. So-and-so because I'm not a psychologist by any means. But if he come to me and said, you're not playing well, and then I'd say, okay, yeah, cool. Okay, let, now let's unfold it and unpack it and see, okay, what's the reasons why, and let's try and work out what, what the problems are. But, um, yeah, it just it, 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 it scares me, and, it, and it's, I'm really sad to see that, 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 yeah, it really destroys a lot of families too. Have you been catching up with many of the um, many of the older, you know, your mates that you yeah. used to catch up with? I, yeah. I heard that you guys have been hanging out a bit. You got a little special project on yeah, the go. Yeah, got a little, little project going on at the moment, which is which is uh, a few laughs actually, actually a lot of embarrassment actually <laughs> to tell the truth. But it's great. There's there's a few of us um, got together, so uh, we're doing a we're doing a little show. So hopefully this will. Um, it actually talks a lot of it. It's about journeys of, 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 us, of us, especially us men, when we let ourselves go and get a bit unfit and get lazy. Um, so hopefully in time we, uh, we, can, we can try and improve things up and, 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 and people can see us probably changing things. So. Oh, you, would have seen the t- you would have seen it on TV. You would have heard about it everywhere. We've had a bunch of the guys on The Rock talking about it as well, and it's match fit. And this match is fit, great. Yeah. It's great to see that you guys are back together. Does it kind of feel like you've just hopped off the, uh, hopped off the player's bus <laughs> and then turned around and hopped back on, <laughs> exactly. and then uh, you've just gone, what, what happened? Uh, <laughs> so we got off the bus. We all put on about 50 kilos. Is that the cold, hard rationalisation <laughs> of the situation? pretty much it. And then we'll jump back on the bus in a bigger bus, and um, but it's great. It's 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 something that I'm not sure how much I can talk about it, but it, it, it's something that's about the journey of of, of men, especially for men's fit and men's health and men's mental health. So uh, a lot of us kind of let ourselves go, and like I said, you know, we get a bit unfit. We put on weight, and especially in the first lockdown, bloody hell. <laughs> So, so I'm, I'm, I've uh, the first. Uh, so the first day we all got together for this thing. Um, Have you seen each other in fifteen years? Some of them, or no? Well, we have kind of seen each other now and again at the yeah. pub, you know. And the good thing about the All Blacks, you know, or, or the guys that you you all played with and the camaraderie, you know, it doesn't change. So you catch up with someone at the pub, then you're going to end up having a big night, you know, and you, all the memories come back, and, and and a few beers later, so it's it's great, and and nothing different to this. And then you're on social media the next day. Yeah, yeah. Picture with Ant. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ant's the one day we were posting on. So, yeah, so it's, it's great to catch up with these guys. And, um, and we're all kind of on a journey. And, um, and you'll be seeing quite a bit of it, actually. So hopefully it's a, 
it'll be embarrassing for us. But anyway, what's it like getting back together? Because I mean, it must just, it just oh, must all feel the banter, like a time watch. Mate, all the banter comes back straight away, so nothing there changes. You know, um, yeah. So we all laugh at each other. Some of the um, Kribby's got no more hair. <laughs> um, the boys have put on weight, and uh, some of the boys can't even run anymore. You know, our knees are buggered and. So the whole my premise, shoulder, one of my shoulders is, is, is buggered. I don't, I don't know what I'm. Anyway, so so the premise is is that Buck Shelford, who's yeah. arguably one of the one of the t- one of the toughest to ever play the game, uh, he's had a, he's had a tangle with the rust and successfully rolled through that. And yeah. then you've got Ted, who's the other one that's running the cutter on this. Yeah. Two formidable people that Absolutely. are leading this thing up, legends. And, and the people yeah. that you are in this show with yeah. are no slouches. No. So what is the goal? Are you going to go and play again? Are you going to be another team that's in Super Rugby Aotearoa <laughs> next year? Is that the idea? Yeah, well, that's a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. unravel the whole show. Sorry, you just, you just fucked it up. Sorry. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's that's the ultimate. Is that we'll be? There's no Pacific Island team coming in. It's actually us. It's yeah, it was, it's um, it's 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 a. Uh, the focus is is the journey, right? So a lot of us have started this. We've all come in. We just needed a trigger or something to get us going again, get us healthy again. So it's kind of the journey towards that, and then at the end of it, we're we're, we're playing a game. Um, we had a bit of a game actually last Sunday, and. Uh, that was a laugh. But we all actually came off the field actually thinking, oh, actually, this is quite fun. You know, it's kind of, you know, brings back all memories back. And uh, the skill's and, still uh, there? Yeah. You oh, assist- mate, the skill levels. <laughs> it's scary. No, honestly, <laughs> man, the skill level's awesome, mate. The, but like, like, yeah, some of the boys are just, you know, backflicks and everything else are still happening, you know. But it's just your mind says you've got to be there and your body says, no, I'm <laughs> staying here, you know. <laughs> Get up on the line of defence and say, nah. <laughs> so so what, fortunately what, now the game's kind of changed. So so the big question before the game was actually, do which rules do we play? Do we play the rules 20 years ago? What do you go, do back, to rip do we, go back to Ripper Rugby? <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> do we need to use arms and tackles? Or do we, yeah, do we, can we ruck? You know, those, those are the questions, you know. And then, you know, it's legit questions. Fortunately, like nowadays, yes. yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, now is that the backs hit the rucks because us fours, you all hit a ruck and then we don't have to run to the next ruck. We can just stand there because the backs are going to hit the ruck. <laughs> no? So that's kind of the positives for the, for the rugby now. Do you, uh, obviously, with knowing who's in there uh, and not being able to give too much away, yep. the kids of these people, how how good has it been? Because oh, they man. grew up, I mean, obviously, all of us, to a certain extent, grew up watching our parents in New Zealand. It's not uncommon to go along to watch your parents play some form of code, whether it yep. be tennis, whether it be rugby, league, basketball, squash, whatever it is. And that's, I think, what has tipped so many kids into sports is by seeing their parents play. Now you get to my generation, I've got six-year-old twin boys, I do nothing. Look at the rig. It's absolute. It's like a sausage roll with eyeballs, and a, and a, and a little bit. It's been rolled in the rolled in the dust, uh, and the, and they don't see that. So therefore, there's almost a generation that will be lost to sports because they didn't see their parents playing. Like like they. Or, yeah. or is there more pressure on them as well to be yeah. greater than the old man? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's. I was at the Ronnie when he's uh, when his son got named in in the All Blacks and. You know, you can't help but, you know, your heart warms, you know. You actually got that tingling feeling. You're going, man, this is awesome, you know, because this little kid, I think we used to slap him around when he was a kid, you know. <laughs> and uh, he used to run around and we used to go away and he change his nappies. And so and even Hoskins as well, you know, Waisaki, Waisaki was with us in the blues and, and and it's just, it's phenomenal to see these guys and, like, 
like Hoskins is just and he's big, he's strong, he's fit. You know, He'll be he one of the greats more too. than his father does because his father never trained. <laughs> and um, and uh, these these guys are it's awesome to see. They all need bloody haircuts, so they all got bloody coloured <laughs> hair and stuff nowadays. It's a bit different. Yeah. <laughs> is that one of the things that you pick up when you look back and you go, boys, what is going yeah, on here? Ford's wearing white boots and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's like, yeah, hey. Ford's wearing boots that are cut yeah, below yeah, the yeah, ankles. That's, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Hey mate, we could probably wrap it up there. We appreciate awesome. it. We could talk. We could talk for days. Yeah. Uh, but Charlie, we really appreciate you coming awesome. in Thanks, and, and sharing yeah. it and being so open and honest. Uh, that the the resilience that you're talking about. If people mm. want to check that out and dive a little further into that and see yeah, how absolutely. that could be applied, maybe into their workforce yeah. as well as uh, as well as to the professional yeah, no, sports. I mean, you look at construction. You know that that that's a that's an area as well that that there's a lot of mental mental health problems there. So it's. Um, so the optimization hub, if you want to Google it and have a look at it, there's there's a few guys in there that, that you're familiar faces. And it's all about just trying to get everybody back on the back on the back on the horse. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to the donkey yeah. at the back of the field. Hey yeah. mate, appreciate it once again. Thank you so much for coming Cheers on. Charles. Uh, Cheers, guys. Yeah, we look forward to seeing more of the show. This is exciting yeah, times. Yeah, it'll be it's, fun. And what's the uh, just before we what's go? The first shot, yeah. yeah is what's it standing on the Y front? Yeah. So do we get to see the rig? Or? <laughs> yeah. So the first shot is here. Yeah, it'll probably be. I'm actually not sure. It's the first shot, but anyway, there's a scene there where we. Um, so we're totally vulnerable in the show. So we're all out there. So the first part is we're all in our. Stark is naked. Just all got our undies on. And that's it. There's about six cameras around us, and we all get weighed and told what our body fat is and what metabolic age we are, and and um, there's. Pretty shocking statistics, <laughs> and it's, it's um, yeah. So we'll see what it's like by the time the end of it. So what do they do? They put you into the because you guys used to play in the famous uh, almost like a three quarter sleeve baggy, uh, big billowy big, shirt that yeah. when you'd get jersey swung yeah, and play, like absolutely seemed like a stage, shot put yeah. out of the stadium. <laughs> what yep. are you running now? You're running the Sunny Bill Williams uh, oh, lycra suit, which makes Haven't you look like you're in the Tour de France. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to see what we actually get. Yeah, we had just like a t-shirt last week, and um, it was actually just a onesie, <laughs> lycra, yellow. <laughs> Surely you, grow, <laughs> you grow the lid out as well, the curly locks you yeah, used to Yeah, yeah, the curly locks, we actually wear a wig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah be, be better. So we'll wait and see. Hey, we look forward to it. Thanks for coming in, that's been awesome. Cheers, that's one of my favourites here.